Hello, my name is Carl Lloyd Hauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. All right, I'm going to start with a prayer, if you don't mind. So Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much for your goodness. And Lord, we ask uh, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us right now. We ask, Lord, that you would direct uh, the words that I say, but mostly direct our hearts to hear what you want to say to us. And Lord, I pray that every person here right now would encounter you, would experience you. I pray that every person would be uplifted by your presence, Lord, by your touch, Lord, I thank you that uh, you just delight in the people who are here. These are your children. They're so precious to you. And I ask, Lord, that you just meet us right now. We need you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining me there. So have you noticed that um, we often, um, we don't mean what we say? So like, uh, if you ask the question, how are you, right? And, And the first answer is, well, I'm doing great. And I'm doing great means really, well, I'm doing fine. Right? And if you say, well, I'm doing fine, I'm fine, but that means I'm okay. And if you say, I'm okay, that means, uh, well, I'm near death right now. You know, I'm, I'm okay, right? Or, or maybe uh, you might say, uh, oh, it's nice to meet you. And uh, what that actually means is, I've already forgotten your name. What's your name again, right? Or if uh, you say something, hey, no offense, but... What that actually means is I'm about to say something very, very offensive, but you can't be mad because I started it with no offense. So here's another thing that we often say, but I don't know if we really mean. We say, Jesus, you are my everything. You're my everything. But I think sometimes we we actually mean, Jesus, you are my something. You are my part of things. You're important to me, but are you my everything? Everything. And we're uh, in this series right now that I believe that God put on my heart a number of months ago, knowing where we would be right now. And and it's called Deep Clean. And if you were here last week, one of the things that I talked about was that in Jeremiah 12, God comes to Jeremiah and he says, Jeremiah, if if you can't keep up with the footmen, if you're tired with the footmen, how are you going to run with the horses? And he's telling the prophet, he says, things are getting more intense Babylon is coming down, and if you can't handle it right now, what's it going to be like when things really get hectic around you? And, and I think that God right now is talking to us, his church, and he's saying, hey, are you ready to run with the horses? Are you ready to step up to what God wants you to do and who he wants you to be? And I believe that he's calling our church higher, and he's calling each of us higher, and he's saying, okay, now you've been going at one pace, but I actually have a different spiritual pace for you have a different authority for you, a different anointing, a different work for you right now. And he's calling us up and he's calling us out. And he's saying, now it's time to do things different. And that worked when you were with the footmen, but now we're going to be running with the horses. And listen, I want to encourage you that you're going to have what you need. You're going to be able to run with the horses, but we got to get ready. And part of this deep clean is doing that exact same thing. And we got to get rid of these things that get in the way. And the scripture tells us to demolish every argument that raises itself up, sets itself up against the knowledge of Christ. And so this week, what we're talking about is deep cleaning our mindsets, deep cleaning our beliefs, these things that we hold into our hearts that are really getting in the way of who we're supposed to be. 
And so I went to the, the staff and I, I just asked like a quick email survey. And I, I said, I, I'd like to hear every belief, every mindset that either you hold or you think people in our church hold that get in the way of what God wants to do for us running with the horses. And I, and I got a, a lot of really good ideas. Things like, well, I have to perform in order for God to accept me. I think a lot of us, I mean, we may not say that, but we feel that, right? Or I'm not good enough for him, no matter how hard I try, it just can't, I can't quite do it. And, and so I took all these different ideas and I started kind of categorizing them, like what do they have in common? And I actually found one common theme that's underneath all of them. And I think they all come down to your source. Now I'm not talking about your source of information. I'm talking about your source of inspiration and your source of life and the well that you drink from. In Proverbs 4.23, it tells us, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life, or from everything you do flows from it, is what the NIV says. So we gotta watch, what is it that we believe and what is it that we hold on to in our hearts or what are the things that we pursue? I mean, that's what worship is. What are the things that we emulate and that we put up above us? Because it guides all that you do and all that you think and all that you become. And really, these mindsets and these beliefs, they start right here in our heart. And if there's anything that you're going to protect, if there's anything you're going to watch out for, it's, okay, now what is my heart pursuing? What is my heart going after? What is the source? What am I drinking in for my heart here? And James, he talks about, he says, you know, a double-minded man is unstable in all that he does. And see, I think a lot of our problem right now, and I think God is calling us out of this, is that a lot of us are double-minded because our heart goes to different sources. And so, yeah, Jesus, you're a lot, but you know what? So is this. So it's not just Jesus, but it's Jesus and. It's Jesus and my intellect. It's Jesus and my pleasure or my comfort. It's Jesus and my security that I can build for myself. Jesus and my ability. Jesus and my world. Jesus and this and that. And so we live through our life double-minded because our hearts are torn in two. And so we have these moments of incredible love, but then all of a sudden we find ourselves operating in fear. And we walk in the great confidence that we have in Jesus, but then all of a sudden there's like self-loathing and self-hate in the midst of it. And we walk in these amazing victories, but then we find ourselves the next week in incredible apathy. And the thing that I want you to get this weekend is there is no other source He is the source. And we have to be single-minded, single-focused. Our heart needs to go to the source, the one and only source for everything, for our worth. Instead, though, we go to the opposite sex, or we go to our achievements, or we go to how many likes that we get. We say, okay, yeah, yeah, we're, we're worthwhile now. We need to go to that source for our approval and our goodness. But instead, we go to our success, we go to our charity, we go to the how hard we work, our work ethic. We need to go to that source for our joy. I mean, he is our joy. But instead, we also say, yeah, okay, he's part of my joy, but so are my activities, my hobbies, my television, my family. And here's the problem with all these other sources. They all run out and they all run dry. And I think about the sources that I've looked to throughout my life. You know, when I was young, sports. I mean, that was my source of life. That was everything, But you know what happens after college? If you play tackle football, how many times after college do your buddies say, hey, let's go put on the pads and play tackle football again? It's gone. It's just over. And if that's your life, what do you have after that's over? Or how about my career? My career has been my source. 
But then, you know, I remember I had this crisis. I was in Norway and I was leading a men's Bible study in the morning. And then I actually had some business meetings I had to go to in the evening. And I remember going to the business meetings and they were, you know, all sorts of big deals were taking place. But I remember, man, I just wish I was at the Bible study because I just can't find life. It just doesn't matter. Nothing matters like Jesus matters. Or how about hobbies? You know, we look at hobbies and the things that we do for fun for our source, but I'm finding as I get older that they're just giving me less than they used to get. Like, I love to ski, right? But when you get in your 50s, just so you know, like you're going down and you see that jump, and do you know what you do when you're in your 50s? You go around it. Just kind of keep on going, right? It just changes. How about this? Family. Family is so important. What a beautiful gift. But so many people say, oh, my family is my source. But even that changes. I mean, here I am, you know, our family was like the center of the universe, but now I'm looking at my kids and they all have their own little centers of their own little universes. I'm like, hey, what about us? And they go on, right? Even that changes. You know, I've done a number of funerals and usually when I'm, especially if I don't know the person well, I'll ask the family, I'll say, okay, now what was the most important thing to this person? And I can't tell you, so many people say, well, family, family, family. You know, family is a beautiful thing, and it's a wonderful thing, but I hope that, that if the pastor asks the same thing, well, what was the most important thing for Carl? I hope that the answer that my family gives is Jesus. Jesus was the most important thing. Now, he loved his family, and he cared for his family, and he prioritized his family, but it was not the priority over Jesus. He is the source And so in this deep clean series, I am suggesting that we do away with all the other sources or quit looking to them for our life and start drinking in deeply and continually to God. See, when he is my source, then my family is a blessing rather than an idol. My hobbies, are they they become an expression of worship rather than a thing that I need to get something from. And we're in a time right now I mean, there's a few things going on in our world that we could say, oh, what's going to happen, right? I mean, doesn't it seem like just for the last two, three years, it's like, okay, what's next? Now what's going to happen? Well, what's going to happen after this, right? And things are getting shaken right now. And other sources that we've been looking to are like, well, we can't really go to that source anymore. So we have to, it's a good thing, is that we have to go to the source. How do we go to the source? Listen, we need to become a people of prayer. Just seek him and going after him. My prayer life has really changed over the last year or so. And I'm just committed like every night before I do anything else, Lord, I'm just gonna just spend time praying for you guys and and praying for this world and, and seeking you and trying to find what you want me to do, what you want me to say and what you want me to be. Are you going to that source? And of course, the source of scripture, what a powerful source for life and truth and godliness to transform us. It's living and it's active and it changes us. Worship brings us to the source where we praise him and and he comes and meets us. You know, one of the things that I pray for you every week, I go, actually, I walk all these rows before our service and I pray for you. I pray that when you put your foot on the pavement out there, that the Holy Spirit just starts to meet you, touch you. Because I want you just to, to drink in that source to know, yeah, I've got what it takes that he's with me. And as he fills you up, that you're encouraged so you can go out again. And really, above it all, what it is, this is a heart condition where we train our eyes and we train our hearts to always look to our Father, to always expect 
You are the one that I drink from, Lord. You are the one that I look to. You're my life. You're my reason. I'm going to take you to the, uh, the book of Jeremiah in the 17th chapter here. And Israel's going through a crazy time. Uh, Babylon's about to come down and, and take, take them captive. They're about to be overrun. And we get this uh, advice. It's interesting what God tells them to do in the midst of it and what he advises them in 17 verse 5. And it's all about our source. And it says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Be careful if your heart is turning towards something else besides our Lord and our Savior. Because what happens? Well, you'll be like a bush in the wastelands. You'll not see prosperity, even if it comes. You'll dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. Be careful of looking to other sources because they're going to dry out and you will dry out. And we put our trust in this, we put our hope in that, and God says, uh, it's, it's like living in the desert, you're just going to dry and wither away. In this, and, but look at this, in verse 7, but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. So if God's your source, if your confidence is in him, you will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. And I love this, it does not fear. Are you afraid? Are you looking to the source? It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. This is so good. It has no worries in the year of drought. Even though drought is all around us, we're not afraid, we have no worries. And then I love, and it never fails to bear fruit. See, when God is your source, when he's the one that you're drinking to, drinking from, the one that you're looking to, he never runs out. You always have the life that you need and fruit always comes from your life. See, the way through right now, the way through tomorrow is through him, in him, drinking in him. I watched a movie with Naya the other night and the dad was going into the hospital with his son and he said to his son, he said, son, are you afraid? And he said, as long as I'm with you, I'm not. Do you know you're with your father? You have no reason to be afraid. And when, when we live like that, when we're drinking him in, it's just like it clears out all those other things. And I want to talk about mindsets and beliefs, but the big one is what are we pulling from? What are we looking to? And see, as we're with him, as we experience him, as we draw near to him, it's just like a big stream flushing out our hearts, just taking away all these other impurities, all these other sources. So the first thing I want you to understand is that he is our source and he is our source of righteousness. One of the beliefs that many of us hold that's just not true is that as long as our good outweighs our bad, we're okay. That's like, one of, that's like kind of the religion of the world right now. Do you know that evangelical Christians, evangelical Christians, so, and so that, that'd be like us, 52%. So more than half of evangelical Christians say people are basically good. Okay? Let's see what the Bible has to say about that. Jeremiah 17.9. I call this the anti-Disney. This is the Disney princess verse. The heart is deceitful. No, don't follow your heart. Don't just follow your heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Romans 3, 10 through 12, as is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. 
They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good. No, not even one. And then how about the good things we do? Well, Isaiah 64, 6 says, all of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Here's the thing, is we are not basically good. We are basically broken. That's our nature. That's how we start. That's where we are. You know, it's like if you have a big window and someone throws a rock through that window, the window isn't kind of broken. It's completely broken. And if we break one part of the law, we're not just not as good. We're completely broken and in need. But 51% of Christians say that God accepts the worship of all religions. Christians. But Acts 4.12 says, there is no other name by which we'll be saved. There's no other way. I am the truth, the way, the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Well, I mean, what's the big problem most of the Bible? Look at the whole, what is it? What's Israel's problem? You shall have no other gods before me. You don't have God and a little bit of some other gods. And you can't worship this one and that one. There is one God. There is no other but here's the truth, since he is on our righteousness, on our own, we are not good. On our own, we are not good. But here's another truth. In Jesus, we aren't bad. On our own, we aren't good. In Jesus, we aren't bad. And see, all people in all religions are asking the question, am I good? Am I good enough? It's not the right question. The right question is, am I his? Do I belong to him because he makes me good? It's this curious passage. You see it more than once in scripture where it says, God says, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What's that about? I mean, what's wrong with, with Esau? And if you, look at the, if you look at the two of them, it's not goodness. Jacob's a weasel. I mean, the guy, he's a liar and he's a manipulator, manipulator. And the truth is that when I look at the two personalities, I think I would have been friends with Esau and not Jacob. I, I, I mean, the guy is not good. So why does God love him? Well, because think of the way that Esau takes the things of God. And so he has the birthright. He has everything that has to do with the line of God. And he says, eh, you know what? You can have that if you give me some soup. He literally sells the things of God for soup. What's the difference between Jacob and Esau? The only difference, it's not their goodness, it's that Jacob is his. Jacob wants him and Esau doesn't. That's the difference. David and Saul, which guy's the good guy? I mean, what does Saul do? I mean, he has some big mistakes, but his big mistake at the beginning is what he just doesn't wait for Samuel. He gets afraid of all the people around him and he does the sacrifice without waiting. What does David do? Well, he sleeps with another man's wife, gets her pregnant, so kills that man so other people don't fight out about it. Who's good? Which one of them is good? But yet, what's the difference? David is a man after my own heart. He's mine. That's it. Because our righteousness comes from God. Let me show you this. This is so good. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 21, God made Jesus, made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, I want you to catch this. This is an amazing passage, because it doesn't say, so that in him we might become righteous. 
It says, in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, what does that mean? How does that happen? Okay, now, first of all, let's think about Jesus. Jesus became sin. So Jesus has no sin. He's never sinned, right? Yet he takes on sin, the identity of sin, and he represents sin, and he carries sin, and he literally is sin on the cross, and he, he holds it all. And in the same way, you and I, by ourselves, we were never righteous. We were never whole, and we were never complete. Yet when we come into Christ, we carry righteousness, and we're seen as righteousness, and we hold all the righteousness, and we this is amazing. We literally become the righteousness of God. Are you in him or out of him? That's the question. And what an amazing thing. Are you living? Do you understand? Are you living in that source? Do you know that you are the righteousness of God? Do you live like you are the righteousness of God? Do you think like you're the righteousness of God? Do you act like you are the righteousness of God? I talked a little bit about this last week, but one of the beliefs that many of us hold that's just not true is that we think, okay, well, God is disappointed with me. How can God possibly be disappointed with you if you are the righteousness of God? It doesn't make sense. He, you are completely, you hold his righteousness. And see, when Jesus is our source of righteousness and we understand he is the source of righteousness, what comes out in our life? His righteousness. And so much of it is just understanding who we are and living according to what we are. You know, I think about uh, when I played football in high school. You know the big difference between the biggest change came for me my junior year and uh, I was voted most improved player. I thought that that meant most valuable player. And so I started playing like it. Something happened. It's like, yeah, I think I'm actually pretty good at this. And I became good at it. Do you understand that you are the righteousness of God? See, when you understand that, you start walking, you live according to who you are, you live what you are. And what amazing rest that we have, that we hold all that righteousness because of what Christ has done. He is the source of all righteousness, and in him you are righteousness. What a wonderful thing. But not only is he the source of our righteousness, he is the source of our identity. So here, finish this sentence for what's, what's true for you. I am what are you? Fierce, courageous, wimpy, powerful? Let me finish for you. I am a child of God. I'm a child of God. Beautiful passage in Romans 8, verse 14. I don't think we could, I don't think we could spend too much time in Romans 8. And it says, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, which means daddy, daddy, father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, we, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Do you understand that now we get all the benefits of being his children, that we receive all that Christ received? If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. See, a lot of us, we walk through this false mindset and this false belief that says, well, if I was only a little more like them, if I only just had what they had, then I would be, you know, I would do the things that I'm supposed to be. You know, for me, it's like, oh, if I was just a little bit more like Bill Bright, you know, if, if I was just a little bit more like those real pastors who went to seminary, you know, I mean, then I could really do this thing, right? 
But you know what? Bill Robert's already taken care of. God doesn't need another campus crusade for Christ. And what, what would go to sem- seminary? I think it would be good, but you know, mostly I would just pronounce the Bible's names correctly instead of incorrectly here. See, and God doesn't need me to be that. God needs me to be me. And, and so it's not if I just had what they had, if I just did what they did. The question is this, can I be what God has asked me to be? Can I become the person that God had in mind? If you would just become the person that God had in mind for you, that's what we need. That's what this world needs. In Jeremiah 17, 7, it tells us that if you are trusting in him, if he is your source, if your confidence is in him, you will be like a tree planted by the water. Sends out its roots by the stream. It has no fear when he comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and you never fail to bear fruit. Guys, we have to go to the source. We have to look at him and just drink him in. We have to learn how to sit at his feet. And so much of our sin comes from our identity crisis. That's why we compare ourselves to one another. We don't know who we really are. That's why we strive. We've got to prove ourselves because we don't know who we really are. That's why we are so disappointed in ourselves because we don't know who we really are. And Jesus looks at us and he says, am I enough? Is being my son, is being my daughter, is that enough? Can you be satisfied with me? And there's so much that we're afraid of losing right now. And there's so much that could be taken away, but who can take away that? Who can take away who you are in Christ? And listen, we have to get that, and we have to get it now. And we have to understand it now for what might come then. You have to understand who you are. And the truth is, is he's the only thing you need, and he is more than enough. And he is our source for help and hope, and he's our source for purpose. And sometimes I think, sometimes I think what I really need more in my life is just more fear of God. And now I don't mean like, oh, I gotta distance myself, I'm afraid of God, I'm gonna hide from God. What I'm saying is I need more respect and understanding for his awe and his righteousness and his holiness and what it is he can do. Remember what he has done? And we're his children. I mean, God is not one who can be trifled with. And how precious it is is that the creator of the universe, I get to have a personal love relationship with him. When I was in uh, second grade, my dad uh, came to school for like career day or something like that. And he was a police officer. And he had all of his gear on, you know, he's all in uniform. And I just kept saying, that's my dad. That's my dad right there. That's my dad. Kept telling everybody, that's my dad. You know, you look up at the stars right now, you look up the universe and the one who created that, you know what we say? That's my dad. My dad did that. You look at those mountains to the south, that's my dad. He made those things. The one who sent his son to die for my sin, who loves the world so much, my dad. My dad did that. Do you understand that? I mean, our struggle if we just walk in the identity, if we understand the power of our Father and we understand the intimacy of our Father and we have both of those at the same time, what are we afraid of? What other source is there? What's your bank account compared to that? What's your security compared to that? He is our ever-present help in times of trouble. He's the only one who can change hearts. He's the only one who can open doors. He's the one who spoke the universe into existence and that's my dad. 
Yeah, he gives us friends and counselors and help all over, but he's the source. He's the one that we look to. Oh, Lord, our eyes are on you. And see, the more we sit at his feet and the more we spend time in his presence, the more all those other things, they just lose their luster. It's like, why was I even looking to that? It just doesn't hold anything for me anymore. There's no hope in that anymore because I've tasted, I've seen, I know who he is. See, the more we sit at his feet, the more we just spend time in his presence, the more those things, they just lose their power. They lose their hold on us. And we must, we must become people of prayer and people of the word. But most importantly, we must become people of connection. Just walk with him. Breathe him in. Drink him in, that he is the great source. And as we do that, as we just sit at his feet, you know, you just, you, you can't encounter God without being changed. Think about it. every time one of those guys encounters God in the Bible, boom, they hit the ground and they come up different. It's a new person as they encounter Christ. The apostles, remember what they said about him? Oh yeah, and they remembered. They took note, these men had been with Jesus. You need to get with Jesus. You need to get with the source and you come up and you're a different person. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 6, it says, Yet for us, for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came. Remember what he did. And for whom we live, he's our reason. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. Here's the bad news. The bad news is things around us are shaking. The bad news is that things around us that we used to just be so comfortable in that they're failing and falling. And here's the good news. We get to let go of them. We can stop looking to those things and we could start looking at the real source. He is our only source. He is the one who will not fail. And so church, I just want to encourage you right now, lift up your face and lift up your eyes to the one to the great one, to the one true source who is seated on high. Lift up your eyes to the one who's the source, the well, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. The one who is God and Father over all, who is in all, who is through all, who is over all. Church, it's time for us to be done with lesser things, to pursue him with all our hearts because now is not the time of your demise. Now is not the time of our failure. Now is the time you were brought into the world for such a time as this. Now is the time for the church to rise up. Now is the time for the church to draw near. Now is the time for us to move in power and to move in the true identity of what we were really created to be. Rooted in him. Found in him. Protected by him. Fueled by him. Flowing out of him. Listen, as long as you look to the one true source, you are going to be just fine. There's one name. There's one hope. And church, just lift up your eyes. Lift up and see that the king has come and he has set us free and he has conquered the grave. It's my dad who did that. It's your dad who did that. And he is with you and he's here today. And it's time to get our eyes off of every other thing, to drink him in, to walk in the life and the truth that he has for us. So let's stand up right now. And Lord Jesus, I just ask that you would come right now. And Lord, we, as we lift up your name and as we give you praise, Lord, I ask that you would grace us with your presence. Lord, I just ask you to put your arms around every person here, Lord, that we can experience you. Yes, Lord, that we can feel you, that we can know you. 
And God, as we draw near to you, just all those other things, they would just fall away. And Lord, that you would bring out what's precious and bring forward what's precious. And all the dross, Lord, that it would fall to the side. And so I pray that now, even in this moment, Lord, that we would experience your grace. We lift up our eyes to you, Lord. There is no other name. There is no other king. There is no other one. It is you, Lord Jesus. You alone that we worship. You alone that we love. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.